Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn how scientists just created the smallest flying human-made structure ever, why you probably shouldn't swear by your Myers-Briggs results, and the mysterious reason why the biggest nuts end up on top. Let's satisfy some curiosity. You might think the legroom on airplanes leaves a lot to be desired, but it's downright roomy compared to the invention I'm going to tell you about. Scientists have just made a data-collecting microflyer that's 500 micrometers across, or about the size of a grain of sand. And it's the smallest flying structure ever made. It doesn't fly on its own, though. The Northwestern University researchers created tiny winged microchips inspired by the design of wind-dispersed seeds. Like the seeds of maple trees, they spin like a helicopter as they fall. That slows their descent, which gives them enough time to collect data on the way down. They're so light that wind can easily pick them up, and they can travel and collect data across great distances. What kind of data, you might ask? We're talking things like air pollution, atmospheric conditions, nuclear radiation, and even disease outbreaks. The team also touts the invention's ability to do population surveillance, which sounds scarier than it is. It's a term used in public health that refers to collecting and analyzing health-related data to keep people from getting sick. No CIA spy technology here. Anyway, by mounting microchips on these microflyers and connecting them to a network, Scientists could take large-scale measurements that would be impossible any other way. Sensors, power sources, memory storage, and wireless transmitters could all be included on board, too. Their manufacturing is a pretty cool breakthrough, also. They're made with a technique that turns a two-dimensional precursor into a 3D object, kind of like a children's pop-up book. First, they build the microflyer's base as a flat plane. Next, they bonded the base to a stretched rubber substrate. When they let the rubber relax, the whole thing popped up into the 3D shape they had designed. This cool approach means the microflyers could be made with commonly available manufacturing processes. That means you could make millions of these things pretty easily. Of course, there's an obvious problem. Releasing tiny tech into the environment to measure pollution would itself be polluting the environment. That's why the team is looking ahead and creating microflyers that can disintegrate, dissolve in water, and not leave any contaminants behind. It's early days for these microflyers, but they might soon be reporting important data near you. If you swear by your Myers-Briggs type, then you might want to sit down for this one. The Myers-Briggs type indicator, or MBTI, is BS. Companies have purchased this famed personality test to learn about their employees for decades. But as it turns out, they've been sadly misguided. For a refresher, this is a test you can take that supposedly categorizes you into 16 different personality types. If you've ever read someone's online dating profile and seen an abbreviation like ENTJ or ISFJ or ENTP, then you've seen a Myers-Briggs result. Each letter stands for something like introversion or extroversion or thinking or feeling. And it ends up on dating profiles because each of the 16 types are supposedly more compatible with each other. If only dating was so simple. So where did this all go wrong? Well, first of all, it's not based in science. 
The MBTI was constructed by Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, two housewives who had no formal education or training in psychology. While Briggs was reading new psychology books making their way from Europe, she came across the work of controversial psychologist Carl Jung. Using Jung's research as their basis, Briggs and Myers worked together to create the MBTI assessment for women entering the workforce. The mother-daughter duo hoped the test would help women find the jobs that were best suited to their unique personalities. And it worked! The MBTI remains one of the most widely used personality assessments on the planet. Every year, roughly 2 million people discover their four-letter type and bring in more than $20 million to the company behind it. Now, I'm not saying that housewives or anyone else without scientific training can't make contributions to science. But the Myers-Briggs, specifically, is seriously flawed. And that's because it relies exclusively on binary choices, like choosing 100% introvert or 100% extrovert. And that gives a limited and simplified view of human personality. It also sticks to mostly positive language, a lot like horoscopes do. Researchers say that the Myers-Briggs doesn't conform to a lot of the basic standards they expect of psychological tests. With all of this evidence against the Myers-Briggs, why does it have such a cult following? It may be similar to the appeal of fad diets or alternative remedies or other quick fixes. Humans are complicated, and if a test claims to make sense of our quirks so that we become super productive and efficient, I mean, who wouldn't want that? Well, at least 89 of the Fortune 100 companies still do. But that doesn't mean that you have to. I'm going to go full infomercial. How many times has this happened to you? You open a brand new jar of mixed nuts to find that the massive Brazil nuts are all sitting on top. Well, it's nothing but peanuts way down at the bottom. There has to be a better way. Just kidding. This spontaneous snack sorting has a scientific explanation. It also has a name, the Brazil nut effect. Despite the nut-centric title, any container full of particles of different sizes can fall prey to this effect when jostled enough. Think granola, where the first bowl you pour gets all the delicious clusters and the last bowl gets nothing but oat dust. Or freshly ground coffee which looks perfect when it goes into the coffee maker, but has a bunch of big, partially ground beans at the top when it comes out. Despite how common this is, the explanation is deceptively complex. Scientists think there are several mechanisms at work. One is called percolation. When all of the particles in a container are tossed up together and come back down, small particles move into the spaces beneath larger ones and push them upward. Another mechanism is convection. That's the way particles in the center of a shaken pile will push upward until they get to the top, then fall down in the spaces created at the sides of a container, repeating in a swirling path. The Brazil nut effect happens when a large particle reaches the top, then just hangs out there. Scientists aren't sure why this happens. One reason could be that the particles are too big to fit in the available spaces on the sides of the container. Sometimes it's because of density. When a particle is either much more or much less dense than its fellow particles, it moves toward the surface a lot faster. Here's where things get mysterious. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. 
that suggests that the pressure of the air between the particles has something to do with it. This year, researchers from the University of Manchester used x-rays to discover that the Brazil nuts' shape and orientation matter too. Most of the Brazil nuts in their experiment started lying horizontally, but as the container was shaken, they stood up in a vertical orientation. Only then did they start to rise through the other nuts. Broken or misshapen Brazil nuts didn't reach the proper height when they went vertical, so they didn't rise. Scientists are still studying this phenomenon to learn more about how particles move. But either way, there is a lot going on in that jar of mixed nuts. Let's wrap up with a quick recap, starting with the fact that scientists have created flying structures that are about the size of a grain of sand. They fly kind of like wind-dispersed seeds. They spin like a helicopter, which slows their descent and lets the wind carry them great distances. We can mount these microflyers with sensors and memory storage and wireless transmitters in order to potentially use them to take large-scale measurements of all sorts of things, from air pollution to disease outbreaks. I just want to know if they could even develop an early detection system for Shai Haloub. What's that? Those are the giant sandworms in Dune. Got it. Which apparently everyone in the Earth has seen. Like, have you been on Twitter? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. But nobody in the Earth calls them Shy Halud, Cody. That's just you. <laughs> They're the sandworms. I, th- look, it's my kinship with the Fremen coming out here. <laughs> of course. Luckily, we don't have to deal with giant sandworms here. Just regular-sized sandworms. Right. And we learned that the Myers-Briggs personality test is BS. It's not based in science, and psychology researchers say it doesn't conform to the basic standards that are expected of psychological tests. For one thing, it relies on exclusively binary choices, which gives a simplified view of human personality. We're just so complex. We're unique. But 89 of the Fortune 100 companies use it, so it probably isn't going anywhere soon. Wow, sorry to burst your ISTJ bubble, Ashley. (laughs) Have you just, like, diagnosed me? I have. <laughs> I looked him up. I'm pretty sure that's what you would be. That's fair. I don't know. I'm glad you called me an introvert, though. I feel like a lot of people think I'm an extrovert, and I, I don't agree. Wait. Yeah, no. <laughs> no that, that's not the case. Yes. I gotta say, I am glad that I was no longer in the online dating world when we ran this story, because I started to notice the uh, Myers-Briggs results on people's Twitter profiles that I would find. And, you know, I know you've talked about on the show how you've kind of been a well-actually kind of person. Mm -hmm. Nothing on the internet, I don't think, brings out more of that well-actually instinct in me than when I see a Myers-Briggs. I just want to immediately be like, you know, that's not real. You know, that's not a thing, right? (laughs) Like, I I never have done it, but it's just, there's this overwhelming temptation. Yeah, you know, people don't like being told they're wrong, but you know what they do like being told is that their identity is wrong, what they have labeled themselves. That's that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, not winning any friends here. Nope. That's why you're an I. <laughs> that's, that's not true, even remotely. No, it's not true. No. We also learned that the tendency for the largest particles to end up on the top of a mixture is called the Brazil nut effect, after the way Brazil nuts always end up on top in a jar of mixed nuts. 
Why this happens is really complicated, but it probably comes down to the way that small particles fall into the space beneath larger ones and push them upward, and the way that particles in the center of a pile will push upward until they get to the top and then fall down in the spaces on the sides. Except in this case, the Brazil nuts just kind of stay there. A recent study found that the particle's size and orientation are involved, and we also know that it doesn't happen in a vacuum, but beyond that, more research is needed, because this is one tough nut to crack. Today's writers were Brianna Brownell and Anna Todd. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also a writer on today's episode. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new. IJFM! Get it? That means in just a few minutes. I get it. And until then, stay curious.